Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. Episode on deck today. Decided to do a little teaching on something. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying. In the name of God, to the Word of God, no shortage of crazy things being said out there. And we take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by evangelicals, it's, yeah, like far from biblical. It's like not even close. And uh, people are just making up all kinds of stuff, teaching for shameful gain, things they ought not to teach, literally teaching either doctrines of demons or man-made doctrines and making void the uh, the written word of God. And so what we teach you here, uh, always listen with an open Bible, don't need you to give me the benefit of the doubt or an open mind or anything like that, just grab a Bible, follow along, and compare for yourself. Take a look as we look at Scripture in context, using sound biblical exegesis. I mean, and a lot of this is just good old-fashioned grammar. I mean, what do words say and what do words mean, you know, stuff like that. And you'll see for yourself that, uh, you know, somebody that you thought was a great Bible teacher, yeah, yeah, probably isn't even close at all. All right. Uh, also, a little bit of a note here. Every episode has a theme, Every, unless I state otherwise. The, yeah, there's a something I'm grinding on, trying to get all of our horses pulling together, if you would. So let's talk about what we're going to cover on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a Terry Savelle Foy update. Terry Savelle Foy, the Barbie girl herself. And, uh, and from time to time, she does these teachings on something she calls soul ties. Now, I've heard this term uh, kicked around in uh, the broader charismatic movement, 
And uh, I'm just going to put it, you know, put it out there right now. This is not a biblical teaching at all. And uh, so we'll uh, we'll do a wee bit of uh, paying attention to what Scripture actually says in this regard. And the the idea then is is that we'll take a look at the basics in uh, you know in this segment, and then in the next segment we're going to be listening to a woman by the name of Joanna Adams, and uh, she uh, taught at uh, the Toronto Airport Church. Uh, on an introduction to deliverance. And if you're not familiar with what deliverance is, uh, this is another one of these uh, teachings that's actually quite pervasive in uh, certain portions of the charismatic movement as well as the new apostolic reformation in the five folders. Uh, yeah, 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 so we're going to call them five folders because, I mean, there really is no functional <laughs> between a five-folder and the NAR, but they want that. They don't want to be called NAR. They want to, oh, we believe in five-fold. Okay, you're a five-folder. Got it. So the five-folders, uh, they are also a group that uh, heavily buys into deliverance uh, ministries, and the basic premise is that uh, Christians can be possessed, uh, oppressed, like there's no difference between the two functionally, and therefore they need to have uh, the deliverance ministers cast demons out of them. Yeah, and strange stuff. So we'll listen to Joanna Adams, and we're going to take a look at two passages of Scripture uh, on this topic. And uh, you know, and so, and then in uh, the end of the hour, uh, hour number one, we're going to be listening to uh, Larry Huck's latest Pentecost first fruits scam. Yeah, we keep warning people: don't be listening to Harry the uh, Harry Huck. Harry, <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. Larry Huck, and uh, and you know, every time a Jewish feast rolls around, you know, it's time for him to uh, get more uh, fuel for his private jet and stuff like that. So. We want to uh, <clears throat> we want to spare you that, and then uh, hour number two, we're going to head to Audacious Church and uh, listen to special guest minister Matt Garner and his sermon titled "Now You See Me." So that will comprise today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We're going to get right to it, and uh, let's uh, go ahead and play our music as we get ready for a Barbie Girl Terry Savelle Foy update. Here we go. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can brush my hair. Undress me everywhere. Imagination. Life is your creation. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. I'm a Bobby That's right. It's uh, the Barbie girl herself, Terry Savelle Foy. We're heading over to her YouTube channel uh, where she also posts uh, not only her uh, you know, video blog, but also her, uh, her program, uh, Live Your Dreams. And we're going to be listening to a portion of, of this uh, program titled Four Keys to Break Wrong Soul Ties. Now, immediately you should be asking yourself a question. When you are you are confronted with a doctrine you have never heard of before, uh, immediately you have to understand it is up to the person preaching and teaching 
to demonstrate that what they are claiming, what they are teaching, is actually taught in Scripture. You don't get to make things up. And the idea is is that Jude says that we have the faith once delivered for the saints, and um, and and you know, it is it is the faith once delivered to the saints. And Scripture itself says that all, you know that Scripture you know it gives us everything we need to equip us for every good work. So if this is a biblical teaching, we should be able to find this readily in clear passages of Scripture. Beware of soul ties. You, you kind of get the idea. But uh, Terry is, I, I, she's going to be real thin on biblical texts here. In fact, um, I'm pretty sure she's not going to be able to pull one up that teaches soul ties because this is not a biblical teaching. But I'll let her explain. Here is Terry Savelle Foy. I'm Terry Savelle Foy, and you're watching Live Your Dreams. I pray that as you invest in yourself today, you're captivated and you're catapulted to live your dreams. You know, my passion, of course, is to teach people how to go after the dreams. You, you, live your dreams. How is this Christian sanctification, by the way? That's probably another topic. Yeah. <laughs> live your dreams. Hey, Christianity is all about. No, it's not. It really isn't goals, the assignments that God's put in your heart. But God told me years ago to develop this message on soul ties. And mm-hmm. This goes all the way to the top. So God himself is the one who told you, you got Terry, Terry, this is God speaking. Uh, wait, yeah, that sounds too ominous. Yeah. Hang on a second. This, this, this is the Holy Spirit voice that I use from time to time. Hi, Terry. This is the Holy Spirit. And, um, uh, you know, I forgot to put um, uh, something in the Bible. So, um, could I could I uh, trouble you to help us out a little bit here? That's me and the Father and the Son. We for, totally left this out of the Bible. Um, there's this, these things called soul ties, and uh, they're really kind of dangerous. But I forgot to mention it in Scripture. So, could you develop this for us? Yeah, that that I think that's how that would go. Okay, all right. I don't like teaching this. I don't desire to teach this, but I know how powerful soul ties are. I know how painful they are. How how powerful are they? I mean, where does Scripture talk about the power of soul ties? I'm a soul tie. And I know firsthand how they can keep you back from the plan of God for your life. You can't move. Mm, yeah, soul ties keep you from your dream. To your future until you let go of the past, right? Mm. So I'm believing today could be a wake-up call for you or for someone you know who perhaps is in a wrong relationship, an inappropriate relationship, an adulterous relationship, even in... It's, okay, see, there, there, there's where you want to pay attention. Okay, so wrong relationship, inappropriate relationship, adulterous r- relationship. Let's take a quick look at the Bible, shall we? And uh, we're going to take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, saying this, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You see, it's not about soul ties. It, you know, w- when you engage in formal caboodling, which, if you've never heard that word before, that's kind of a catch-all phrase for any and all kinds of sins of the flesh. Uh, so if you are engaging in formal caboodling with somebody who you shouldn't be formal caboodling with, 
Um, you, you know, so somebody who's not your wife or your husband, uh, here's the issue. Um, scripture makes it clear you become one flesh with that person. And that becomes a real problem. And it's the real reason why people have a real difficult time breaking up from sinful relationships. You see, you know, sinful sexual relationships. You see, the kids nowadays, they think that, you know, you just do this stuff, it's no big deal. No, it really is a huge, ginormous deal. You become one flesh with the person that you foreign or caboodulate with. So um, Terry here is uh, making up a different thing, a different danger altogether, the danger of soul ties, which no biblical text teaches. We continue. Abusive situation. So you might be asking, well, what are soul ties? Mm -hmm. Well, soul ties are responsible for the pain we feel when a relationship ends. They are All right, I need a chapter and verse for that. Which biblical text says that soul ties are the reason why you experience so much pain, you know, when it comes to breaking off inappropriate, we'll call them sinful relationships. Hmm. No biblical text says that. Extremely powerful. It's no different than being tied, like seeing someone physically tied. Your soul can be tied to another person. Soul ties have deceived. Yeah, again, where in scripture does it say that? Many young people just looking for love, many married adults just flirting with disaster, and even abused spouses who... These are called sins. This is sexual sin you're describing here. And scripture is clear, you become one flesh with the person, not one soul. Trapped in a vicious cycle. It's all because of soul ties. Well, a soul tie is defined as an emotional bond or a connection that unites you with someone else. Uh, You see, Scripture defines somebody that you have sexual relationships with, you become one flesh with that person. So so here's the thing, is that what are you going to go with? Are you going to go with a clear teaching of Scripture? Jesus himself picks up these very words from Genesis and reiterates them. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, he literally talks about not uniting your body with like a prostitute. And why? Because you become one flesh with that person. So over and again, the scriptural warning is about one fleshing, not about soul ties. So this is this is dangerous because literally it introduces the idea that you can just make up a doctrine and you don't need any biblical support for it, whereas Scripture actually gives legitimate warnings uh, as to sexual purity and how we are to handle ourselves with our own bodies, and there are real ramifications. The person who sins sexually sins against his own body, Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6. So what she's doing here is making up a mythological man-made danger uh, to uh, sexual sin, and not even really referring to it the way it really is, sexual sin. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that Christ has bled and died for all of these sins. That being the case, regardless of what sexual sin or any sin that you've committed, 
All of these are atoned for by this blood of Christ on the cross, who paid the price for our sins as our substitute, literally dying in our place. This is what Scripture says. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so Scripture would call each and every one of us to repent of all of our sins, including sexual sins, and be forgiven and have confidence in the grace and mercy of Christ that even those sins for which you or I would be most ashamed of, that we can have forgiveness and mercy and grace with God and not be separated from eternally uh, because of this. I would point you to somebody like King David who committed adultery and murder and he and God pardoned him, literally forgave him. And you look at like Psalm 51 where David says, Lord, against you only have I sinned. And he, he pardon my iniquity, blot out my iniquity. And and he literally says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 51 is a great place to go in Scripture when you are feeling the guilt and shame that you rightly should feel from sexual sin. But what Terry Savelle Foy is doing here is distracting us from the real serious ramifications of sexual sin and creating a danger that doesn't exist, where the the danger that truly does exist, um, becoming one flesh with somebody, is not even on her radar. She's teaching a man-made doctrine, claiming direct revelation from God on this. I'm praying today that this message will open your eyes to the truth if perhaps you're being deceived in a wrong relationship. Yeah, I feel like I'm being deceived by Terry Savelle Foy in a wrong YouTube relationship. Thankfully, it's not physical. I'll give you that wisdom to maybe help someone that you know who is clearly in a wrong, unhealthy, ungodly situation. Sinful. It's called sin. I'm praying today it'll perhaps save marriages, save callings, save careers from being destroyed. Yeah, how can a doctrine you made up, you know, the soul tie thing, somehow save somebody's marriage? Because of a wrong relationship? And even provide that strength, that inner strength, to end an unhealthy situation. You mean sinful situation? Well, first, let me tell you this story real quick. It was about a dear friend of mine who was getting ready for church one early Sunday morning. She's at her apartment in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, this girl, she was a single girl. She had just graduated from Earl Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Beautiful inside and out. I mean, to me, she's just like this perfect little person. And she was 22 years old. She was still a virgin. And she started working for a local ministry. Well, one morning, Sunday morning, she's getting ready for church. She had her bathrobe on. She said she was in the bathroom putting her makeup on. All of a sudden, she heard this knock at the door. She went to see who it was, who would be visiting this early on a weekend morning. So she just asked, who is it? Well, on the other side of the door, she heard this guy say, it's maintenance. He said, I'm here to check your air conditioning unit. Well, not realizing there was anything wrong with her unit, she just suspiciously asked him. She said, why are you checking my unit? Is there something wrong with it? All of a sudden, this man on the other side of the door, he acknowledged her by name, sounding very convincing, and he just said, yeah, Janet. He said, the apartment manager, Vicky, sent me this morning. She thought, oh, he knows my name. He knows the manager's name. I guess it's safe. So she cracked the open, cracked open the door just a little bit just to see what he needed to do. 
And I'm telling you, that's all it took. That one little crack of the door led to the fight of her life. She began yelling. I mean, he came in, he shoved that door open, he threw her on the bed, he began trying to attack her, trying to rape her, and she began screaming the name of Jesus over and over, and she said she would start praying in the Spirit, which confused him. She would scream the name of Jesus, and every time she said the name of Jesus, he would calm down, then he would start to attack her again. Well, supernaturally, God saved her from this attacker. Somehow she was able to divert his attention. She got him into the kitchen and she ran out the front door completely unharmed. Thank you, Jesus. But the moral of that story is don't open the door. In fact, I heard. So, so apparently, um, if I'm understanding her correctly, Rather than give us a biblical text that teaches us where soul ties come from, she has this story about somebody she knows who was nearly raped, and so soul ties equal the rapist, and they want to break in and bind you up. Again, no biblical text teaches anything about soul ties. Meyer say this years ago. She said, Satan is prepared to take any little crack or crevice you give him. And when you open the door to him, he will come barging in to destroy your life. Well, the truth is, Satan, the enemy, he doesn't come dressed in a red costume and a pitchfork on Friday the 13th. He doesn't come looking like this, saying, I'm here to deceive you and destroy your life. No, no he looks like a blonde Barbie girl with a weird squeaky voice teaching us doctrines that are not found in Scripture. Yeah, I think you get the point. You know, the, the reality of the situation is, is that sexual sins are extremely serious and that when you commit sexual sins, you unite yourself in body to the person that you are sexually sinning with. And Scripture warns us about these things and says the person who does this sins against his own body or her own body. So um, the, the, there's real dangers to uh, sexual sin, and that's only the tip of the iceberg. The worst part about it, remain impenitent, re remain uh, unforgiven in these sins, and you risk eternity in hell. So uh, it's fascinating to me that, you know, that Terry Savelle Foy would think that we need an additional doctrine that's not found in Scripture to warn us about the dangers of inappropriate relationships uh, when Scripture gives us all kinds of explicit warnings about inappropriate sexual sins and inappropriate relationships that God's Word and that God himself forbids. So, yeah, I think you get the point. Moving along... Down at an English fair, one evening I was there When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts There they are, standing in a row Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts Every ball you throw will make me rich There stands me wife, the idol of me life Singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball, a penny a pitch Singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball, a penny a pitch Singing roll-a-bowl-a-ball, a penny a pitch Roll-a-bowl-a-ball, roll-a-bowl-a-ball 
Yeah, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. So we're heading over to the Toronto Airport Church, uh, formerly the Toronto Airport uh, Vineyard Church, but they were kicked out of the vineyard after uh, John Wimber said, enough is enough when it came to the whole Toronto blessing. We're going to be listening to Joanna Adams as she begins to explain to us an introduction to deliverance. Apparently, we need to be delivered from demons. And this is a practice that is uh, just really well used and well worn within uh, certain portions of the charismatic movement, five folders, as well as the NAR, this belief that uh, Christians can be possessed or oppressed so overtly by the demonic that they have to have demons cast out of them. Yeah, that's uh, literally what their doctrine teaches and their practice teaches. Is teaches is, Yeah, I think you get the point. Let's uh, head over to uh, the Toronto Airport Church. Here is Joanna Adams. Tonight I want to share a teaching, and it's called Forgiveness, Your First Step to Freedom. Now, when I did bring this message last year in the day sessions and on the Saturday, and I remember someone came up to me and, you know, I know Catch the Fire, but I didn't know too much about, you know, how you guys all flow and your deal. I knew it was like, you know, the Father's heart, but this lady had come up to me and she said, you know, we talk a lot about forgiveness here. She says, but I've never heard it shared the way you shared it. So I really felt to bring it forth again and to bring it tonight. So if you weren't here on Sunday, um, what we did was we, we talked about some signs that would show or indicate that, Hey, maybe I need some freedom. Maybe I'm, uh, you know, maybe there's some things going on in my life or someone I know that's saying red flag. Whoop! Something's not right. I need freedom. And I began to share a few lists. And I just want to recap really, really quick of some of the indications that we need freedom, that maybe we should be here on Saturday. Listen, Saturday, I'm going to teach about the protocols and the, you know, deliverance 101. How do we do deliverance? And how are we supposed to be as deliverance ministers? And I'm going to have a teaching in the day. But then there's going to come a point, most likely after lunch, is what I'm thinking, is we're going to do a series of prayers. We're going to read these prayers on the screen. And what it's what's going to happen is it's going to unlock you from any tie the devil's had on your life. He gets a hold um, from, from our own. Mm, so the devil has hold on my life. Huh, and you have the ability to unlock those things. Hmm, this already starts to sound a lot to me like a man-made doctrine. Sins, from the sins of our generations. And when you read these prayers, what you're doing is you're repenting and you're renouncing. And then we're going to move into a time of corporate ministry, okay? Where you're actually going to begin to feel the Holy Ghost move on you. And freedom is going to come. And it's going to be amazing. Healings are going to happen. And you're going to be transformed. You need to make it out here tomorrow. But recapping just a few indications of maybe we need some freedom is, you know, having some disturbances in our emotions up and down. Okay. What about things like having problems in our thought life? So things going on in our minds, being bombarded in our minds. Okay. Negative thoughts, stinking thinking, voices. Sometimes people hear voices. So if you're, if you're experiencing stinking thinking, you, you may be oppressed by the devil. It's very common. Those are demonic spirits speaking. Okay. What about anger and rage, jealousy and envy? Things like uncontrolled use of the tongue. And I shared that. 
you, you know, Scripture actually describes what you're saying as not demonic things, but as sins of the flesh. Yeah, let's take a look at the Bible real quick here, and I'm going to add another text to what we're going to be looking at. Um, so let me duplicate a tab here because I've decided to preempt. We're going to take a look, I believe, at Galatians 5. Um, yep, I think this is it. Um, here's what Paul writes in Galatians 5.16. Uh, it says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the, listen to this, flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah, so so Scripture doesn't ascribe these things to the demonic. And see, one of the primary ideas behind deliverance ministries is a false understanding of the fact that we as Christians are truly regenerated in Christ, and we still have a sinful nature. And the two are at war with each other. That's the idea. So when you have stinking thinking come up, or you have thoughts where you you know, you want to hurt somebody or do something sinful, these arise out of your flesh, out of your sinful heart. And, you know, you can say, well, yes, the devil may be behind the temptations ultimately, but even if the devil were completely locked up and all of his demons cast into outer darkness and had no, you know, had no access to you, you would still have to struggle with the sins of your own sinful flesh. So already we got a problem because things that she's describing as, oh, Oh, these are demonic spirits that are talking to you. Yeah, no, that's probably just your black and sinful heart talking to you. Yeah, I think you get the point. Now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back from the break, we will continue uh, with this uh, introduction to deliverance. But if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. More of this introduction to deliverance, and then we'll also hear from Larry and Tizza. Stay tuned, don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. No sneaky squid spirit formed against us will prosper. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Bird cage 
Theatre presents Church Day Select. I got a large, non-fat, decaf mocha with no whipped cream, two pumps of chocolate and diet soy milk for Tiffany. Oh, actually, it's just Tiff. Oh, uh, sorry, uh, Tiff, then. Like, thank you so much. I've never made a drink quite like this before. I can't even imagine what you call it. My friends call it, like, the why bother, but it sure doesn't stop me from loving it. <laughs> Nice talking with you. Adios. I am so sorry about that. Anyway, where was I? All right, so you won't believe what happened to me on Sunday. So, like, you know how I've been trying to learn more about Jesus and God and stuff? Well, ever since I got into it, my friend Brittany has been begging me to go to her church. It's that big building on Michigan Street... It's got, like, a stage and a praise band. I mean, it's got, like, a ton of people, so the pastor must be pretty cool, right? Well, the sermon starts. I've got my Bible, my notebook, my pocket catechism, and my flower pen. All ready to hear about God. And what does he talk about? A bird. This guy went on some 20-minute bunny trail about a bluebird that landed on his windowsill. And I'm just sitting there like, what about Jesus? I mean, they had just had a laser light show about how much they loved him. Um, Hold that thought. I have to use the little girl's room. I'll be back in a sec. So Jeff said, wrecked him, wrecked him, you practically killed him. (laughs) Oh, I am so sorry. I've accidentally dumped my white bother all over you. Your outfit is totally ruined. Here, let me use these only slightly absorbent napkins to wipe it up for you. All right, there, a little bit there, and uh, there. That seems to have gotten most, most of it. Here's my business card that the stains don't come out. I happen to own and run a dry cleaner's just down the road. Anyway, gotta run. think these people realize what Jesus did. Let me explain this to you. So, first of all, I'm like a sinner, and I need forgiveness, right? So God was like, I'm going to send my son. So Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and everybody's sins were forgiven, and we were all like, cool. So when I go to church, I want to hear about Jesus. But for some reason, these people don't even talk about Jesus. You know, if you think about it, the church is like totally God's house. So Jesus invited all of us to his forgiveness party, and we all shut up and said that we loved him, and then we completely ignore him. That is so rude. Not only is it rude to God, but it's a total ripoff for me. I want to hear about how my sins are forgiven, but instead these people are like, let me tell you my life story. Um, excuse you? You think that your birds are more important than God? That is so rude. Honey, what happened to your shirt?
Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Listening to this program right now. Have you ever found yourself wishing there was more Fighting for the Faith content that you could listen to and share with your friends? Well, you're in luck. Because we now at Pirate Christian Media have a YouTube channel that we upload content to on a weekly basis. We got programs like Twistbusters, You Don't Have to Be a Cessationist, Messed Up Church, Exclusive Skype Interviews, Pirate Gang Conversations, and our most popular segment, Dumpster Fire. So if you're looking for some extra Pirate Christian Media goodness in your life, head on over to YouTube and search for Fighting for the Faith and subscribe. Listening to Fighting for the Faith um, could cause you to think that your sinful flesh is still active, because it is. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, Fighting for the Faith. Dot com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button. Uh, you can also become a patron on Patreon by clicking on the Become a Patron button. And if you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, let's uh, return back to uh, the uh, Toronto Airport Church as we are listening to Joanna Adams explaining to us uh, the basics of deliverance, and hold on to your hats because it's about to take a turn for the worse. Here we go. 
story. You know, we're, we're praising the Lord and singing in tongues, randai, and then someone cuts you off when you're driving and you start saying the F-bomb and the S-bomb. That's not right. <laughs> I agree. That is actually both things because the roboshibi habahaman, that, that, that's not tongues. That's gibberish and that's not a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then you, you know, giving hand signals to people who've cut you off while you're driving. Yeah, that, that comes out of your own sinful flesh. Fits of anger. We just read it in Galatians. We need freedom. We shouldn't be cursing. We shouldn't be able to not control that. And brah, that comes out, right? There's a spirit called cursing. Um, no, 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 there, <laughs> there isn't. So you notice what she did there. Yes. Oh, you know, there you are. You gave you. You said expletives and, and engaged in, in American Sign Language while you were driving the other day. And uh, you know, to the guy who cut you off. Well, the reason why is because you're suffering from the demonic spirit called cursing. No, you're suffering from your sinful flesh. About things like unclean thoughts and acts regarding sex. A lot of people. Yeah, Galatians 5 says that comes out of our sinful flesh. I'm bombarded by sexual demons that torment them at night. Okay, it's called an incubus and succubus spirit. Sometimes people are tormented with... What? Bible doesn't mention that. That's like mythology. Oh, good grief. Mental images. They can't get their mind clear. They're constantly seeing sexual images. You can get free from that, saints. Did you know that? This is quackery. Yeah, so when you sin, you repent. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask for help from the Spirit to sanctify you and curb these sinful appetites that arise from your flesh. Now, let me give another passage of Scripture because I think it'll be helpful here. Yeah, we're not even anywhere close to <laughs> the ones that I said to go to. My apologies. You know, just I'm kind of winging it at this point because you know, I'm a little bit on the uh, exercised... <clears throat> Uh, side, yeah, pun intended. Uh, Romans chapter 7, by the way, is a great text to go to that describes the, the really the difficulty and travail of being a Christian. The Apostle Paul, a man who was a Christian for many years before he penned Romans, describes in present tense, in the present tense voice in, uh, in Greek, uh, just how difficult it is uh, and, and yeah, as a Christian, because there are the God's commandments tell us not to do things, and our sinful flesh, even as Christians, wars against it. Now, by the way, this the state that we are in as Christians, we are truly regenerate. We are new creations in Christ, and we still have a sinful flesh. And so this paradox that we seem to live in. The, uh, the, uh, the, the reformers referred to it as the simul, or uh, you know, the Latin phrase is simul justus et peccator, which means you're simultaneously justified before God and you're still a sinner at the same time. This will be resolved in the resurrection when we will be raised from the grave and body and soul together, no sin, no sinful nature at all in, you know, in the resurrection. So Paul in Romans 7 describes the, uh, the struggle that we go through as Christians, he, and he, he's speaking autobiographically here, 
the same struggle we all have as Christians is the one he experienced because he also was a Christian, is a Christian. You, you get the idea. So uh, Paul writes in Romans 7, 7, uh, so what shall we say then? That the law is sin because, you know, God's law tells us not to do things. He says, by no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Notice um, sin seizing the opportunity. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and then I died. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me, for sin seizing the opportunity through the commandment deceived me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. So did that which is good then bring death to me? No, no, the law didn't bring death to you. He says, by no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual. I'm of the flesh, sold under sin. I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. I do the very things I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that the law is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. This is our sinful flesh. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I do not do what I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do not do what I want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, yeah, I serve the law of sin. But Romans 8 then kind of gives us the resolve. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's the gospel that we all need to hear because each and every one of us falls short of the glory of God and we sin against God grievously daily, daily, day by day. There isn't a day that goes by where you do not need to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so you know the Apostle Paul in both Romans 7 and Galatians 5 puts the the source of these sinful temptations, sinful thoughts, sinful desires, and from them the deeds that come squarely inside of each and every one of us in our sinful flesh. Not the demonic, but inside of us. So now you got the idea. Now, real quick, I wanted to real, really, uh, while we're in the Bible, let's take a look at this concept then. That can a Christian be possessed by a demon? The answer, by the way, is no. And we're going to look at our two texts then. Uh, uh, let me find the first one. Here we go. Luke 11. Luke 11. Jesus speaking in verse 22. Talking about you know, those who are truly possessed. You know, if, they are, if, if somebody exercises the demon. Here's what it says. Uh, Luke eleven twenty four. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person... It passes through waterless places, seeking rest, finding none, it says. 
I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other demons, more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. The last state of the person is worse than the first. Everything swept, empty, put in order. So the idea then is, is that when, you know, when someone truly is possessed by the devil um, or, or the demonic and, you know, that is cast out, you know, their, their mind, their heart, their soul, their temple, you know, they think, you know, all kind of ways in talking about human beings in this sense, you know, things are in order, but it's empty. All right. But as Christians, we're not empty. Things are put in order and there's somebody living there even greater than ourselves. And this is where first Corinthians six comes into play. And uh, we'll pay attention to this because uh, this builds off of the teaching that we did on soul ties. I mentioned it during the Terry Savelle Foy segment, but I want to read it out now in the context then of this this idea that somehow demons are causing us to do stuff. Um, You know, Christians cannot be possessed by demons. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, "...all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful." All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? So much for soul ties, right? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So here's the idea. The basic premise behind the uh, the deliverance and inner healing mem- ministries is that Christians can actually be indwelt by the demonic, but Scripture says that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus describes somebody who has demons cast out of them, when the demons return and find that the place is empty, they go and get more demons. When a demon would return to a Christian, the, the things are swept in an order and. We are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. There's no way that God the Holy Spirit is going to allow your body to be indwelt by both him and a demon. This is totally contrary to Scripture. So you're going to note that uh, the teaching then that uh, we're hearing from uh, Joanna Adams, which is very prevalent in the NAR and the Five Folders, um, you know, and people like the Toronto Airport Church, this is a false understanding of the origin of sin, and they will, of course, be happy to cast demons out of you, but the, the, the sins that you're experiencing as a Christian, these are coming up from your own sinful flesh. Scripture is very clear about this. Yes, we can be free. What about things like sicknesses? We talked about spirit of infirmity. 
Okay? And how the woman in the Bible had a spirit of infirmity. Jesus laid hands on her. She was made straight. And that spirit of infirmity left. How did these spirits come in? I'm just recapping real quick so we kind of understand. If you Yeah, warn- how do these demons come into a Christian? I'd like to know how that's possible if I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. On Sunday, well, spirits come in in different ways, generationally, environmentally. They can come in sexually. They can come in through open doors in our lives. Okay? They can come in through things like drugs and pornography. They can come in when we're... Where in Scripture does it say that a Christian indwelt by the Holy Spirit can have a demon come inside of them, you know, through these various means, including environmental means and uh, generational curses and stuff like that? Wouldn't being brought to penitent faith in Christ and being united with him in his death and his resurrection and having our sins washed away, wouldn't all of that already take care of like generational curses and stuff like that? than anything to do with the occult, whether we've dabbled with the, uh, you know, witchcraft. Maybe we were into new age before. Maybe Notice how she's using past tense verbs. So you, before you were a Christian, you were in the New Age, or you dabbled in the occult. You played with a Ouija board. You went and saw a palm reader or something like that, right? So she's basically making it sound like, oh, well, being brought to penitent faith in Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's not enough. No, 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 no. We've got to cast those demons out of you now. Nonsense. And to a palm reader, maybe we had our tarot cards read. You know, a lot of us do these. Maybe they had a destiny card reading, you know, I'm just saying. Silly things and ignorance, but what happens is it opens the door to the occult and it gives the devil a legal right to begin to torment you. Uh, <laughs> could you give me a biblical text that says that if I did that before I became a Christian, that I gave the devil a legal right to do things to me? I, I want to see that passage please with fears or with depression or with with darkness with heaviness we do these things we're looking for direct yeah yeah, i suffer from heaviness from time to time usually when i eat too much before we meet christ and then maybe we have a salvation experience but those things have to be uprooted sometimes there's See, see there you go you, you did these things before you were a Christian, and you've had an experience with Christ, but all these things have to be uprooted. Where in Scripture, in the New Testament, give me an example of somebody, after being brought to penitent faith in Christ, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, then had demons cast out of them you know, in order to uproot the, the, you know, and get rid of the legal thingies you know, that the devil apparently has over them. You won't find a single passage that teaches this. Folks, if you have ever been told you have to go through a deliverance minister in order to uproot, you know, legal demonic ties going back to when your ancestors did the Ouija board or maybe, you know, they did a rain dance with the Native Americans back in the 19th century or nonsense like this. These people don't know what they're talking about. They're not teaching anything biblical. They are deceiving you and actually keeping you away from the true means by which we as Christians are empowered to fight and against the temptations of the devil and our own sinful flesh and to mortify our sinful flesh and bear fruit in keeping with repentance in love towards neighbor and love towards God. This is not a means of Christian sanctification. This is literally so deceptive and evil that it puts you under the deceptions and the control of 
the devil and his demons. And these are doctrines of demons that they, these people are teaching. So flee people who claim that you need to be delivered from the demonic, from all of this nonsensical stuff, soul ties and, and generational curses and things like that. Of course, they'll always want to charge you for this service, but uh, yeah, I think you get the idea. Moving along. I've got 90,000 pounds in my pajamas. I've got 40,000 French francs in my fridge. I've got lots of lovely lira. Now the Deutsche Mark's getting dearer, and my dollar bills would buy the Brooklyn Bridge. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite as beautiful as cash. Some people say it's folly, but I'd rather have the lolly. With money you can make a splash. Alright, so uh, we're heading over to uh, Larry and his Huck ministries and uh you know this being the week of pentecost uh, they are at it again scamming people that's the best way i can put it making things up regarding what scripture teaches regarding pentecost and it's all about uh, basically playing on your greed so that you'll send them money because they're the greedy ones yeah uh, teaching for shameful gain things they ought not to teach. This is how Scripture describes folks like Larry and Tiz Huck. Here they are to explain the Pentecost first fruits, uh, at least what they think it is. We're going to show you something that most Christians have never seen because it's the Hebrew understanding yeah. of how to break the curse mm. or even beyond the curse, yes. how to break the limits. Yeah. That Satan has put on your finances. Mm, yeah, the reason why most Christians have never, quote unquote, seen this teaching before has nothing to do with the Hebrew roots of Christianity. None whatsoever. It, the reason they've never seen it before is because this is not a biblical teaching. Whether you look at it in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, doesn't matter. Uh, scripture nowhere teaches that, oh, somehow Satan has these limits he's put on your finances. And, and Pentecost, if you understand the Hebrew roots of Pentecost, you're going to be able to break those satanic limits. And, oh, man, it'll be sky's the limit when it comes to wealth in your life. Yeah, no, this is, again, playing on everybody's greed in order to uh, fill their pockets because they're the greedy ones. But we continue. This is an amazing teaching. Yes, it and is. The oh, amazing in its creativity and lack of biblical um, fidelity. Yes, amazing would be a good way to put it. The truth that you understand, that truth, yep. will set you, you free. free. Yeah, okay, so that's their opening. And uh, so we'll fast forward a little bit in this video now as they go through their opening montage with you know video and you know snippets and things like that. Here we go. I'll talk to you today uh, about two phenomenally important subjects yeah. and mm -hmm. most people don't understand right. how they are connected to this. We're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right. the day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about financial breakthrough. Yep. And once again, we go into the scriptures and we study 
the Hebrew understanding yes. of what the scriptures mean. Yeah. And it's a fulfillment of what God said. Yeah. In the last days, the eyes of the Gentiles will be open. Right. Now, wh- where we're at right now is we're just finishing the 50 days from Passover yeah. to Pentecost yeah. or Shavuot. That's called the 50 days are the seven weeks, 49 days plus one is called the counting of the Omer. Right. And what that is, and without getting into a whole lot of detail, we talked about this last week. What that is, is when Israel came out of Egypt, Mm -hmm. which is symbolic of you and I coming out of sin, Israel, Passover and resurrection of Jesus are the same days. Shavuot, 50 days later, and Pentecost, are the same days yeah. when the day of Pentecost Amazing. had fully come. Yep. There are there is what's called the counting of the Omer. Yeah. And yeah, what so that good. what that means, and you can go to a website and get in in depth teaching. What that means is the journey mm-hmm. from poverty right. into prosperity. Right. Okay. Uh, what? What biblical text says it has to do with the journey from poverty to prosperity? Right. So you're you're going from poverty, coming out of slavery to Egypt, coming out of slavery to the world, to Shavuot. Slavery to sin, death, the devil, things like that. Or Pentecost, which we just celebrated. Yeah. And we bring that Pentecost, that Shavuot offering, that first fruit offering, and that offering, which is connected to the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom and knowledge, that offering, the offering that we give right now, that offering determines the wisdom of God. And we'll get into this in more detail. The wisdom of God. Yes. That God will give us, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide, guide us, us and teach yep. us and show us things to come. Yeah. That has to do with spiritual wisdom, but that has to do with financial Absolutely. wisdom. And no, it has nothing to do with financial wisdom. You are literally trying to hoodwink people in order to make them believe that God desires for them to send you money. This is nonsense. Everything you just said, you literally just made up. There are no biblical texts that teach any of the nonsense that you're teaching. Absolutely. The, 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 the prosperity that God wants to give you. Yeah. Oh, he wants to give me prosperity, but apparently his hands are tied. Oh, bummer. What do I need to do to help God out to give me prosperity? And us, this whole next year, yep. uh-huh. comes from wisdom and this Pentecost, the Shavuot offering determines the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. No, it doesn't. No biblical text says that a Pentecost offering will determine the wisdom of the Holy Spirit so that God can release financial blessings to you for the next year. I mean, just taken on its face, the whole thing is patently absurd. But the reason why people are buying into this is because what he is doing is hooking into what he knows about human nature, that there are many human beings 
who struggle with the sin of greed, who have made money their god, or, you know, you kind of get the idea. And so what he's basically saying, you know, so there's some poor fellow, you know, flipping channels, you know, on a beanbag, eating Cheetos in the middle of the night, and comes across Larry Huck's television program. And he's he always been struggling financially. And there it's like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. Oh, now I can get the inside track with God. And <laughs> for the next year, I can have financial blessings released to me because God wants, and all I got to do is send money to Larry and Tiz Huck. And the person writes the check or phones the the number or whatever uh, because they're greedy. And so their greed has caused them to be taken advantage of and exploited by a master greedy person who has a platform and a whole teaching mechanism for designed to literally vacuum the dollars out of your wallet and put them into his but nowhere in Scripture does it say that if you send in your Pentecost offering, and it's not in the Hebrew, it's not in the Aramaic, it's not in the Greek. If you send in your Pentecost offering, that God's going to determine you know, the wisdom of your financial wealth for the next you know, 12 months. It's this unbelievable. And I, you know, the reason I point all this out is because what Larry Huck is doing is breaking the t- commandment that says you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That's what he's doing. He's blaspheming uh, in order to make a prophet. He is a uh, prophet for profit, if you would. And in so doing, he's filling the church, the the general you know, visible body of Christ, with uh, false teaching and false doctrine because there are a lot of people who buy into this nonsense and then bring this disease into their local congregations. You know, it's like, hey, I hear you're really struggling financially. Yeah, I am. And rather than actually writing a check and helping that person, let me tell you, send your money to Larry Huck. He knows the Hebrew roots. And then God will release to you financial blessing for the next 24 months. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like somebody wanting to sell you a Rolex on the streets of New York City. You know, for only 15 bucks. Take a look at it. It's a beautiful Rolex. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it wasn't actually made in Switzerland, you know, some and when you, after you wear it for a few hours your wrist will turn green, but I think you get the point. I mean, that's Larry and Tizhuck are just utter charlatans. All right, we are up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. Or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Pyre Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're heading down to Audacious Church in Manchester as we listen to guest preacher Matt Garner. Now you see me. Yeah, stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Your words have no power to create reality. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... (laughs) You're listening. 
listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hey everyone, it's Rex here to tell you about a product that I use on a daily basis. It's Coffee by Gillespie. It's delicious. It's got the caffeine you need to be a functioning member of society and it's, it's coffee. There's all sorts of different blends to choose from that are themed alongside the church calendar. So not only does it taste insanely good, but it's also liturgical. Somehow. All you have to do is order it online at Gillespie.coffee and it'll arrive at your door in a convenient resealable bag filled with either whole bean or pre-ground coffee. I personally like mine as whole bean because it goes so well with milk. Yeah. Now that's what I call a balanced breakfast. So head on over to Gillespie.coffee and get some. That's G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E dot coffee. Rex out! Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Reformanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Reformanda and join the fight for the faith today. Number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. It's like we're experiencing a famine of the word and all of the people being put forward. I mean, they are the most miserable, unskilled Bible teachers ever to be unleashed on the greater body of Christ. It's as if they're, well, deceitful workers, agents of darkness, or things like that. But uh, let's do this. The good, the bad, the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Audacious Church, Manchester, United Kingdom. Matt Garner presiding. He's a special guest minister. The name of the message is Now You See Me. 
think that's about all I need to say. <laughs> you can already tell by the music, I'm not impressed. And there are many reasons why I shouldn't be impressed with this sermon, and we'll point out all of those reasons along the way. Because <laughs> that's what I do. So, <laughs> let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Matt Garner, and now you see me. Here we go. So good to be here today. I uh, am really honored to be here. I want to thank just Pastor Glenn and Sophie, Sophia. They told me not to make a, a deal about them, but uh, I just want to publicly honor you and show my appreciation for putting up with Paul all these years. Um, it was coming. It had to come. And I want to thank them for, uh, for having us here today. And uh, so, so, so good to be here. I also want to bring greetings from my pastors, Pastor Russell and Sam. They rave about this church and are good friends with your pastors, Pastor Russell and Sam. And uh, it's just like going to different parts of the family all over the world. And so, so good to be here. I'm one of the campus pastors there, as Paul said. And- yeah, that's right. Matt Garner's from Planet Shakers down in Oz. Uh, uh, three kids, one wife. Uh, that's all I could do. That's all... I could handle. Come on, somebody. And uh, but it it is good. Hey, just before you sit down, um, where's he gone? There was a guy sitting right here with the checkered shirt. He's gone, hasn't he? Oh, he will come back soon, and he'll he'll wreck the service. I'm just joking. It's all good. Hey, would you just lift your hands? We're just going to take a moment to open up our hearts before God's word. Thank you, Lord. So they're going to open their hearts. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. We praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. Come on, just lean into his presence right now. Right from the start of of our praise and worship this morning, man, the anointing's been strong. Father, we just lean into you today, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he's going to melodiously lead us into nonsense. Got it. Come, Lord, we worship you now. We bless you today, Father. You're so good, Lord. And we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power, God. We thank you for your spirit. Father, your spirit is here today without measure. And I want to pray, Father, that even as we come around your word, that your anointing would be released, Father. That the that heaven would invade. The anointing would be released. What, what does that mean? earth today. I declare Father as we come around your word as we come in agreement with your word and we fall out of agreement with our circumstances I declare fall out of agreement with my circumstances what? And thank you that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the gospel. I thank you today that bodies are going to be healed, Father. Cancer is going to be healed. Mental illness. You've been having a fogginess and a heaviness. Jesus is going to touch you today. Come on, if that's you, just stretch out. Just reach out. Just reach out. Just reach out and touch him today. Um, what? In the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. I declare this a breakthrough service, a breakthrough moment in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, are you ready for God's word today? Go ahead and grab a seat. 
As you're doing that, just look to your neighbor and say, you are looking so beautiful. My goodness. Thanks, guys. My good. Turn to the other neighbor you just ignored. Not sure what you're thinking about them. Just tell them Jesus loves them. It's all good. You're going to be okay. God looks at the heart. It's all good. It is so good to be here. And uh, I'm excited to, to bring a message this morning to you. And uh, a, a message that I really pray just uh, inspires you. Whether you're in this room or maybe you're joining us somewhere around the world uh, through our online campus here at Audacious Church, wherever you are, uh, God is not limited uh, by where you might be sitting this morning, today, whether you're uh, in a cafe streaming this somewhere or wherever you might be, you might be here in this. And how many people exactly are really worried that, you know, that they may be limited by where they're sitting presently? auditorium today, but I've got in my heart for you today, and I believe that God is going to do something miraculous in your life. Can you just help me preach for a moment? Is that all right? Yeah. If somebody begins their message with that kind of uh, thing, oh, they're creating expectation that something miraculous is about to happen. Run, run. They're a snake oil salesman, and they couldn't handle a biblical text correctly if you, you know, like promised, you know, to give them a Maserati, you know, they couldn't do it. I really believe maybe this message isn't for you, but I know that there are a whole lot of people here today that you might have walked in feeling a bit down, a bit depressed, maybe a bit disorientated with the direction of your life. And I believe today is your day of breakthrough. Somebody. Yeah, today is your day of breakthrough. Through, yeah, because he said so. You know, it doesn't mean anything. This is nonsense. Say amen. I believe today you walked in heavy, you're going to walk out free. Come on. I believe today you walked in kind of hopeless and heavy and and uh, I really sense in my spirit that there's just people you've been struggling with all sorts of mental illness and fogginess and heaviness and you dragged yourself to church here today. You only just made it. But friend, I'm glad you did because I'm here to declare over you right now that today is your day day a breakthrough yeah he's here to declare that completely empty and meaningless words and people are going yay this is the best thing no it's nonsense just like we woke up to those blue clouds just like we woke up to that nice blue sky that's what your vision your clarity your thinking is gonna be like go ahead and thank god because he is a god that sets people free so good so good whoops i got excited did something. That's good. Hey, we're going to go in our Bibles this morning. I want to invite you. Uh, it's going to be on the screens as well there if you didn't bring your Bibles. Uh, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 8 this morning. A story, if you've been in church for a while, you would certainly recognize. It's a famous story. We love preaching about it. And today, I don't... Uh, don't, uh, uh, my intent isn't to bring you anything maybe you haven't heard, but simply to remind you of who, ha- who our Jesus is and what he can do in your life. Isn't it true that we, you and I, we can just go through the motions, can't we? 
We can sit in good church, have a good time, be in world class, praise and worship, have, have an amazing atmosphere, amazing moments. But we can be like those people in church life, not this church, other churches I've been in. But we can be in a place where we're not actually receiving anything because we are, we stop expecting. We started expecting from man and we stopped expecting from God. What are you talking about? I believe any time we come around God's word, we should stop expecting from man. We're not, we're not opening up our hearts to receive something from a style, a preacher. We're opening up our hearts to receive something from the very word of God. And I don't know about you, but I know in my life, and I really believe it, that when you open up your heart to re- receive something from heaven, then that's what you're going to receive. My pastor says all the time, you get... Which biblical text teaches this? Actually states it. You honor, you receive from what you honor. Amen. Which biblical text says I receive from what I honor? Notice he said his pastor says that. That would be the Russell Evans guy from, from Planet Shakers who's as phony as a $3 bill. But today we're going to go into this text. And before we do that, before we read Luke chapter 8, uh, I, want to, I want to start by reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1 from the message translation today. The message is not a translation. Nobody should be preaching from it. It's a very terrible paraphrase. If you're taking notes today, uh, I want you to just... Um, I want you to just get ready. You can write down some of these references and we'll land somewhere in a moment. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20 and 21. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Don't you love that? No. (laughs) What are you talking about? Okay. So second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20. Of course, you know, when I go there, I typed it in wrong. Second uh, Corinthians chapter one verse twenty. So our three rules for sound biblical exegesis are context, context, and context. However, uh, there's another rule: good translation. So you need something like the ESV, the New King James Version is a fine translation. The NASB, another good translation. I would avoid the NIV because they're giving into uh, gender identity politics and getting squishy on the pronouns for God, you know, things like that. So I, I avoid the NIV like the plague. Um, but you, you kind of get the idea. You want a good English translation, and then you want to read it in context. So the message is not good, and he's not giving us the context. And so what he's trying to do is create this idea that somehow what we honor, we will get back from. And so he's creating the false ac- this false expectation by mangling God's word from the message. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15, here's what Paul writes. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that I might have a second experience, so that I, you might have a second experience of grace. I want to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. 
Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God, and that's going to help us out there, the promises of God, Uh, find their yes in Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So there it is from a good translation. And I think you kind of get the idea that uh, what he's engaging in is chicanery, but we continue. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen, listen to this, God's yes, everybody say yes. Yes. And our yes, everybody say yes. Yes. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us by his spirit. He has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure thing of what he is destined to complete. Friend, an encounter with God changes everything in your life. I don't want us to ever underplay or underestimate just what one small touch of who Jesus is can do to your life. We've seen people, in fact, a few weeks ago, we had had our conference and there was a man that came in. He was a part of my campus. God started moving in a marvelous, a phenomenal way at this conference. And we were praying for a few people. And this man was up the front and I was trying to uh, kind of pastorally care for the, the mayhem that was uh, happening as we were praying for people. And uh, God was good. And this guy got touched by the power of God. And uh, he started crying. He said to be honest with you, he started making some, a bit of a funny sound. And I'm like thinking, okay, this is awesome. And, uh, at church, he's a guy that just rocks up every week and is faithful. He serves in our kids program week in, week out. But what I didn't know and what, uh, what we didn't know, in fact, what he was keeping a secret from so many is that he was secretly struggling with an addiction to alcohol. Ever, he wasn't drinking necessarily to get drunk or anything like that, but he was drinking to really medicate himself to relief, release the stress and relieve the pressures of life. So every night he would be sinking all this alcohol just to get himself to sleep. And this man went down under the power of God. I'm not sure who prayed for him. I'm not even sure he knew who prayed for him. But one touch from God. He sent me an email on the Monday after conference. Matt, I've been completely set free. I haven't touched alcohol now for this entire, for, since that happened, which was one of the morning sessions. And I don't know about you, but I really believe this day and age, our world need an encounter with Jesus. Our world needs need an encounter. Maybe you're here today. Yeah, the world does need Jesus, and they need to hear God's law preached to convict them of their sins and the glorious message and comforting message of Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins so that they can be brought to penitent faith in Jesus and bear fruit in keeping with repentance of their sins But that's not what I'm hearing here. I'm hearing something that sounds a lot closer to magic, not 
repentance. And you need that encounter with Jesus. Like I mentioned before, uh, I've got one wife and three, three beautiful children. I've got Ella, she's 10, uh, 10 going on too old. And uh, Hallie, who's seven. And uh, MJ, who's, who's four, turning five. And uh, they're, they're cool kids. I like them. They're okay. I let them stay in the house at night. And, um, and I just want to apologize publicly as well because there were people in the foyer. Pastor Glenn was giving me a tour of the, order, of the building. And I'm sure you might have thought I was Paul Garner. And so if you now think Paul Garner is rude, it's just, it was Matt Garner. I just didn't know who you were. In fact, there was a kid in the kids' church. I could tell she was like, who? I know. And she came up and said, I know who you are, Paul Garner. Sorry to let you down. My kids, they love, if you've got a, a, a kid kind of 10 and under, you'd be aware that YouTube released something pretty awesome called YouTube Kids. It's all the crazy cat videos that you and I love without the other craziness of the internet. And so my kids love watching YouTube Kids and uh, they watch it at times. MJ's into watching really weird stuff. Do any of your kids do this where they're, they're watching kids play on the internet? Can I get a witness, parents? My kids, instead of playing themselves, are watching other kids play on the internet. This got so bad at one point in time, I went outside. Notice, uh, we are literally a quarter of the way through the sermon, and God's word has not actually made an appearance yet in this man's preaching. Uh, with MJ, my four-year-old, and, said, and he said, let's play, Dad. And I thought we were going to be playing some sort of battle game, some sort of... Paul and I grew up playing armies in the backyard. It was socially acceptable back in those days and politically correct. And we were running around. We were climbing trees. We were doing all these... MJ turns to me. I, I'm thinking, this is going to be great. Like, you know, let's do this. It's going to be fantastic. Let's play. Awesome. He said, turns to me, he says to me, uh, he says to me, hey, can we please play Ryan's Toy Reviews? Now, Ryan's Toy Reviews is a four-year-old kid playing with toys on the internet. He said, "How I'll be Ryan and you can be Ryan's dad. I said to him, no, how about I be dad and you be MJ? He looked back to me, no lie, and he said, that would be boring. My kids love it. It's hilarious. One day my daughter came home, seven years old, and her and her little girlfriends, you know what I mean? They've got sass, they've got attitude, and uh, they pick up all these random things. One day she comes home, and she's talking, honestly, for about three weeks in hashtags. Everything is hashtag. She doesn't know what a hashtag is, but um, she's speaking in it. I'm like, hey, um, do you want, what do you want for breakfast? Hashtag cornflakes. You know... They come home with these crazy things off the internet. It's quite funny. Another thing Hallie brought home, her and her little girlfriend. I'm not sure if you've seen that video before. It went viral a few years ago of that Filipino gentleman that dressed up in some awesome Filipino getup. And, uh, he was, he, he, he had the, he had the apple and he had the pen. Do you remember that song? Does anyone just give me a wave so I don't feel like it only happened in Australia? And it's like, I've got a pen. I've got an apple. Oh, apple pen. You know that one? I've got a pen. I've got a pineapple. Oh, pineapple pen. You remember that? Yeah, well, it was, where were you? 
you weren't on the internet, you were behaving like responsible human beings. I feel like you're judging my parenting right now. And I received the correction. Thank you. It makes me a better person. Uh, but she came home singing all this sort of, all this stuff. It was going crazy at one point in time. Honestly, she was, she would be like, there's the couch and there's my bottom. Uh, couch bottom. It was just going crazy. It was something of Paul Garner reincarnate in my children. And, um, and, uh, it was, it was, I'm, and I'm working out, I'm trying to work out where has this come from actually? And so one night after three or four hours of prayer and fasting, um, the TV was on. No, I just said that. Uh, wasn't true. The TV was just on. Um, and uh, it was one of those shows. I know you've got them because I think we actually get the English versions of them in Australia um, because all the good things of England get sent to Australia except those criminals that started the nation. And uh, it was one of those 20 to 1 viral videos. And so I got close and then this Filipino guy comes on and it all of a sudden made sense. You might be thinking, Matt, what is the relevance of this to the sermon today? And I'm starting to wonder what it is too. (laughs) It's a phenomenal story though. To be honest with you, I was reading this scripture after working that out and I read this and this is full on dad joke central, but I want you to get it in your spirit today. You ready to receive it? This is to help you to remember a point this morning. But I was, I was reading that, that scripture and literally, I'm not going to say it was the Holy Spirit because it wasn't. It was just my, my mind. But I was reading that scripture and it said, God's yes and our yes together, glorious evident. You know what appeared in my mind? That song. You have God's yes. You have your yes. Oh, miraculous. Uh, really, R- really. I'll be here all week. Thank you. But you know, so often you and I are waiting for a really clear yes. But I want to show you this morning, like I like is in this scripture today, that God already sent His yes about your healing, about your deliverance. Ab- oh, this guy's a sham. No, God has not promised you healing in this life. You may ask him for it. He may heal you. He may even miraculously heal you. And then again, he may say, nope, nope, I'm not going to heal you. Uh Uh-huh. God has not already sent his healing to you. This guy is a deceiver your child's salvation, about your business, about the pressure that you're facing. And so often in church life, we're waiting, God, give me a yes. And he's saying, just read the gospels. Your yes is found in the name of Jesus. Somebody say yes today. See, so often we're sitting back We're sitting back paralyzed by what's happening, crippled by our circumstances, wondering, God, maybe this is your will. Maybe it's not your will. Friend, I want to tell you today, anything that's happening in your life that doesn't line line up with what is in heaven, friend, you have the right and you can have the faith to believe that God has already said yes. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, being crucified, um, Jesus asked, you know, if it's possible, this cup would pass from him, and he never even committed a single sin. 
And he said, not my will, but your will be done. Has already said, yes, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If there's sickness in your body. Twisting the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer doesn't say as it is in heaven. So therefore, if there's sickness in my body, there's no sickness in heaven. Therefore, I've got to be healed. That's a complete twisting of the Lord's prayer. Funny enough, social justice, red letter, uh, you know, so-called Christians, they do the same thing. There's no poverty in heaven. So as you know, as it is in heaven, so be it here. We got to get rid of poverty. Uh huh. They do the same thing. God says, he says, yes, you are healed. If you're going through financial hardship, come on, partner with God, put these principles in place. Partner with God and put principles in place. What are you talking about? Pastors and leaders are teaching. Don't just have a yes in your mouth. Have a yes in your behavior. Have a yes in every step. God, there's going to be a discipline. Yes to God. Come on, let's go to this main text this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse number 42. And Jesus went on his way. The crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And they all denied it. Peter said, Master, the people are pressing against you. Sorry, the, the people are pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. I love it how the Bible says that she, she, she realized that she couldn't go unnoticed anymore. An encounter with God changes everything. You know what our churches should look like? Our churches should look like the behavior. In fact, what are you doing? You, you're not even exegeting the text. What are you doing? Say it like this, your life and my life should look like the behavior of one that's been touched by Jesus. This should be a demonstration of God's kingdom in every area of your life. There should be an outworking the world. We should be like this woman in this story that can't go unnoticed. What? She was hiding herself and Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? She came unglued and confessed. What are you talking about? Whether it's here in Manchester or Melbourne for me, wherever it is, but what we're believing for at Planet Shakers Church is that we would be a church that could not go unnoticed by our politicians, could not go unnoticed by by the world, could not go unnoticed and not go... We haven't gone unnoticed by the heresy hunters, that's for sure be noticed for the things that we're against, but rather we would be noticed simply for the message of the good news of Jesus, that all I did was reach out and touch him, but life flowed through.
yeah, the issue is I'm not hearing the good news about Jesus. In fact, when I hear Russell Evans preach, I don't hear that either. The hem of Jesus' garment. And when I touched him, I didn't earn it. I couldn't work it. I couldn't do all these things and live this really nice, good, moral life. Friend, the kingdom of heaven, when you get saved, it's not about making good people or bad people better people. It's not about taking you from just being a a nice person, maybe, to now being a good person. No, the reason why the gospel, the good news of Jesus, Jesus is a miracle. It's because it's not about bad to good. It's actually about dead to alive. The miracle of the gospel, friends, is that you reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment and Jesus extended and released his power to come and change you. Somebody say amen. One of the interesting things about this story is that this woman, the Bible clearly says that she struggled with this disease for 12 years. Somebody say 12 years. Just nudge your neighbor a little, say 12 years. 12 years by anyone's standard is a long time. If you're struggling and suffering with a debilitating debilitating disease, 12 years is a long time. It only takes you to know, if you've known sickness for a while, to know that 12 years is a long time. It's a heavy burden after one or two years. Maybe you've still got hope that there's an answer or a solution, but 12 years to be struggling with something that not just is a is a physical sickness, but it causes her, it has social consequences. 12 years. The number 12 in the Bible and biblical numerology is an important number. It speaks of divine governance. It speaks of perfection. It speaks of completion. Uh, Okay. Speaks of authority, the number 12. For this Jewish woman who pressed through the crowd, you've got to understand, friend, she was already feeling unworthy. In so many areas of her life, I'm sure she was already feeling like an outcast. In fact, we... Well, the fact that she had an issue of blood made her unclean for 12 years, and she wasn't able to participate in the worship life of the community of Israel because of her condition. So, yeah... Oh, that the that any person she touched because of her, un, her her disease because it made her unclean would have had to go through some sort of ritual or ceremony of cleansing and washing. She was a social outcast. She had no right being in that crowd. But the Bible says, after twelve years, after she had spent all of her money, the Gospel of Mark accounts she had spent all of her money on physicians tried everything humanly possible to get made well. She decides, I've got to try. I've heard about this Jesus. I've heard that when people touch him, miracles happen. I've heard when people, when people called out his name, blind eyes were open. I've heard the story where he multiplied that boy's lunch and fed 5,000. See, friend, I don't want this uh, in your Bible today. You might read it 
There might be a title in, uh, over, over this passage of scripture saying that this was the, the woman with the issue of blood, but I want to give her a new name today. I don't want to call her the woman with the issue of blood anymore. I want to call her because her courage is the loudest thing in this text today. The fact that she was a woman in this society, unclean, separated, she was the lowest of the lows in this, in this demographic. She, she shouldn't have been there, but I want to give her a new name because her courage inspires me. Her desperation preaches a sermon to me that says, Matt, no, whatever, no matter what you're facing and whatever you're going through, just keep going through it. After you've done everything in your own strength and done everything you know in that moment. Keep reaching out to God. Friend, I don't want this woman to be known as the woman of issue of blood. I believe she should be known as the woman that reached out because of her courage and touched Jesus. There are so many people here here sitting. Just uh, just dumbstruck that people suck this stuff up and think this is really profound. It's just to grind at times to have to get through good grief. Today, maybe you're watching online campus and I don't know what your story is. Maybe you're like this woman. Maybe you've got hell surrounding your life. Maybe it's an internal thing. Maybe everything looks good and all buttoned down on the outside, but on the inside, there's a storm. On the inside, there's loneliness. On the inside, there's separation. Friend, you can be like this woman too. This woman, she didn't allow allow her initial condition to be her final condition. Conclusion, And I'm here to prophesy over anyone that will receive it today that your initial condition is not your final conclusion. Don't give up halfway through the journey. Go ahead and keep walking because you're getting closer to Jesus. Clap your hands if you believe that today in this church. Your initial condition, sir, over your business right now is not your final conclusion. Come on, in your marriage, wherever you find yourself right now, I'm prophesying over you today that wherever you find yourself, this this condition you find yourself in is not your final conclusion. God has something greater for your life. Uh, God does promise me eternal life. Is is that what you mean? I mean, I don't need you to prophesy if that's what you mean. And if that's not what you mean, then you're a false prophet. It's got something so powerful for you. Your initial condition. Imagine if we watched movies where we got halfway through. Now, I've got to be honest. Paul can testify of this. My mom had a crush on MacGyver. Do you remember MacGyver? And all of that fashion is coming back in, so I'm worried about Jan. But anyway, she's probably watching this, so it's awkward. She'll be asking for prayer at the service online campus. <laughs> and, uh, but could you imagine if we watched movies in the same way? Where we're like, oh, the, the, the enemy's winning. He's won. Imagine if we walked out halfway through the cinema. No, we don't do that because we know that how it is right now isn't how it's always going to be. 
We know that MacGyver is going to defuse the bomb with a paper clip and a shoelace. We know that something good is going to happen. We know that God is faithful in his word, that his promises are yes and amen. We know that no matter what we find ourselves in today, friend, God is going to get glory anyway. And it may be in this time, there's breath in my lungs, or it may be in heaven when I'm glorifying Jesus. But friend, you might as well start thanking him right now, because I'm here to tell you today that what you're in is not your final conclusion. The other awesome thing I, I love about about this woman is that... She- so, yeah, wh- what I'm in is not my final conclusion. Woo! Yeah, I just... <laughs> underwhelmed. Like, extremely underwhelmed here. She doesn't allow what debilitates her to define her. We'll get the band up because that helps me finish soon. Yeah, please play fast. <laughs> get them off the stage quicker. It's, it's a, I need it. What debilitates you doesn't need to define you. What paralyzes you doesn't need to be the thing. You know, in this day and age, we, we say things like, I am depression. Um, who, 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 who suffers from depression says I am depression. Who, who says that I am depressed. We give ourselves titles. I'm I'm not at all into this kind of like, just pretend it doesn't. Yeah. I am depressed is not a title. (laughs) Like when you go to your 20 year class reunion, you know, you get a name tag and you write it. Hi. My name is depressed. No, that's when you say I'm depressed, you're saying I am suffering from depression. That you're not, that's not, oh man, this is ridiculous. Yes, no, not at all. Let's be real about those things. Let's go to people. Let's ask for prayer. Let's ask for help. But friend, what you're experiencing right now, this stage of life that you're in, this thing that you're walking through. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique. Designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, has now descended on the audience to try to get them to make decisions of one kind or another. Um, not sure what I'm deciding here, but the music's playing, so I, I better make some decision quickly, I think. It's not your destiny. And what is debilitating you? Don't you dare let it define you. Can I just have a pastoral moment with you for a moment, just like I'm preaching to my church right now? Yeah, so far we haven't had any pastoral moments at all in this miserable thing that's supposed to be a a sermon. Come on, when you approach church, you should never let your condition or your circumstances determine the praise that comes out of your mouth. You should never let your agreement with God's word be determined by the things that are debilitating your life. Yeah, I don't know what that means. We don't live outward inward. We live inward outward. We don't live. The outward shouldn't dictate how we're living inwardly. How we're Now I'm all confused. So, So let me see. I got this right. I'm supposed to live the inward outward, but not the other way around the outward inward. You don't do that. Okay. 
dwelling inwardly. In fact, we have an inward kingdom and our inward kingdom that we live by knows that there is a king that is on the throne. And despite what I'm going through, he is a God that's above it all. And so I'm wondering if there's someone here today that would choose in their heart right here, right now to say, I'm not going to let my circumstances define my praise. I'm not going to let my circumstances water me down. I'm not going to let my circumstances shut my mouth. There is a praise in me because it's not about what I'm going through. It's about who I'm looking to. So come on, audacious church. Would you go ahead and give God a praise? Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Yeah, give him one, would you? Just absolutely dumbstruck. This is so shallow. Yeah! Yeah! Freedom! Come on, just sit down for two more minutes. You guys stay up here. Don't go anywhere. Keep it right there. Why do I feel like you're not telling the truth? Two more minutes. The Bible says that she could not go unnoticed. The title of this message, I should have given it to you at the start, but it's called Now You See Me. The reason why it's called that is because when you touch God, it doesn't matter who you are and what's happening in your life. There is a behavior that takes place. There is a praise that just comes out of your mouth. There is a dance that you begin to do and you don't care who's watching. There's a sound that begins to come. There's an action. There's something that begins to happen in your life. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. And you know, the, the awesome thing is, is, is uh, people have said that English people, as a generalization here, uh, are, are conservative by nature. I don't believe it. I'm just saying I have heard that somewhere on the Google. It was a, not a reputable website either. Yeah, the Brits are not having it with the Zazis saying, okay. But friend, what I'm seeing before me is not a church that's bound or living to the cultural norm or status quo. But what I see in front of me is a church that is saying we're gonna we're not gonna live according to what's happening out here. We don't praise according to what's cool by the world standards. Our, our world is not gonna be the debilitating factor. We're a church that love Jesus. We're a church that are not going to know go unnoticed. We're a church. If you love Jesus so much, why do you really mangle his word up and not really preach it correctly? You're just wondering. We're a church that have encountered God and her behavior was indicative of her encounter. Moses had an encounter with a burning bush. He entered that encounter full of insecurity, but he left that encounter full of vision. He <laughs> what? <laughs> 
to that encounter running from Pharaoh and running from his destiny, running from his identity. But he ran in to Pharaoh's house with a word in his mouth. David had an encounter. He was minding his own business and that young shepherd boy had an encounter with the oil of God, the anointing of God came upon David and he was anointed king. It was this same David that went and stood before all the armies of Israel and the Philistines and he didn't have anything special but what he did have was an encounter with God. He had the oil of God on his life and friend, wherever you go and whatever's happening in your world an encounter with God, you take that same oil that David took that ultimately brought down Goliath, Elisha. Elisha had an encounter with God. He received the mantle of Elijah. Gideon, the least of the least of the least, he was nobody. He had every reason not to do anything significant with his life, but he didn't let his cultural status, his social status define him. Instead, friend, that when the angel of the Lord spoke to him, he received courage and supernatural ability to go ahead and do what called him to be. One encounter with God changes everything. Your yes plus God's yes equals the miraculous. (laughs) Utter nonsense. Just unbelievable. Oh, man. Joseph had an encounter with God in a dream. Jacob wrestled with God and he walked differently for the rest of his life. Blind Bartimaeus cried out in the name of Jesus. Everyone, religion was telling him to be quiet. But he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus healed him that day. A blind man went from having no vision to being able to see. Come on, somebody. One encounter with God changes everything. Would you stand to your feet today? I just wonder today. So, so you need to make a decision to have an encounter with God so that it'll change everything because your yes and God's yes equals a miraculous. Man, I just. <laughs> I don't know what to do with any of this. Many of you are ready to step out of your initial condition. Yeah. Because you know it's not your final conclusion. Right, I'm going to step out of my condition. Knowing it's not the final conclusion. I have no idea what that means, but okay. I wonder how many of you today are ready to step out of that thing that's been debilitating you. Right. Are you ready to step out of it? You know, maybe you have cancer. You need to step out of your cancer. Holding <laughs> ah. you down. And step into everything God has for your life. You need to step in it, yeah. Friend, you can't receive this from a preacher today. No, no, no. You can only receive it from the King of all glory. His name is Jesus. So come on, would you reach out your hands right now? Thank you, Father. Revival fire blow across this place right now. Come on. Uh, 
Okay, yeah, that's just a lot of flim-flam. A lot of... Just a lot of bang, but no substance at all. That was... Wow. I... Okay. <clears throat> Collecting my thoughts here. So, um... The point of that text is really pointing on Christ and the mercy that he had for this woman who had been pushed out by God's law because she was unclean. And I love Mark's account, you know, because Mark's account, especially when you read it in the Greek, it is it is unbelievably touching. You know, with this woman, her her illness is described as a scourge, as a as a whip against her own back, and and the Greek text says your faith has saved you. It literally uses the Greek word "saved." And you know, when Jesus stops, you know, you know, in at that pivotal moment, you know, he's felt the power go out from him. And he says, who's touched me? And this woman comes literally shaking because she's so afraid because, you know, she's unclean and she's touched Jesus and and she's thinking she's going to get it. And Jesus seeks her out in order to tell her. And he speaks to her in such kind words. Daughter, your faith has saved be free from the scourge. It's literally what he says to her. It is a quintessential example of God's grace and mercy in Christ. And the only thing that Matt can say is that the woman had courage and we need to step out of our conditions so that we can go into our whatevers. I mean, oh, unbelievable. Take one of the most beautiful stories in all of Scripture, historical account of Jesus' mercy towards this woman. And you miss the whole point because you think it's about you stepping into something, and it's not about that at all. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>